Good morning, y'all. How's everybody doing? So we've been talking about spiritual practices over the last few weeks. Uh, today we're talking about rest. Uh, so everyone just get up, go home, and take a nap. Of course, I'm just kidding. But when David gets back into town, he likes to listen to my sermons. So I like to give him a little little heart attack when he comes and, and listens to him. So I am going to give a sermon today. So don't worry, David. Um, so we've been talking about a lot of stuff, right? Uh, submission, right? We've been talking about prayer, meditation, study. Um, rest is hard. It sounds odd. Um, but think about it. Uh, how many times do we, do we truly rest in a given week? I'm not talking about going to sleep. That's easy, right? Um, you're not even conscious for that, so I don't, that doesn't really count. But um, how many times do we rest? Uh, I found a joke while I was looking up stuff on rest. And it goes like this. There was a pastor, and she was in her office, and she was finishing her sermon. Um, she was pretty much done for the week. Um, she had done some administrative stuff that she needed to do, and she thought, well, I think I'll spend some time in meditation, some time in prayer. So she clears her desk off, she sits and she bows her head and begins praying. And just then the admin assistant walks in and she goes, oh good, you're not busy. That's the joke. But don't phone. Sometimes, even when we're doing something, we don't look busy. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, rest is one of those things. It's probably one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines to practice, and one of the easiest to practice. I'm going to talk about some ways we can do that. Um, but first, I'm going to tell you why we need to do that. Um, I know. The computer's resting. There we go. That was anticlimactic for like four words, but why do we rest? Uh, the short answer there is we're, we're told to do it, right? Um, God, that sounds real simple. When we started when we started this weeks ago, um, David read a quote by Francis Chan on submission, um, and to paraphrase it, it essentially went like this, look, if you're not going to take this book for what it's worth, if you're not going to submit to what the book says to you, then there's just no sense in even picking it up, right? Like, submission is, I read this, I find out what it has to say for me, and I submit to it. But if, if you're not going to do the second part, then this is just, just wasting time, right? You're just reading a book. So if the Bible says we need to rest, then surprise, we, we need to rest. Uh, don't worry, though. I'll show you where it says that. Exodus 28 through 10 uh, is, 
It's, it's in the section with the Ten Commandments. If you're familiar with those rules. Um, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Relax. I mean, that's what that one says. It says relax. Take a day, right? Even serious enough to include the people that are just passing through your town. Don't expect anything out of them. Let them know, hey, this is what we do. We relax on the Sabbath. Um, in Germany, uh, culturally, it's, it's a... They're kind of moving away from the church in some places, but Sunday is still considered a very, like, for lack of a better term, sacred day. Um, doing things like mowing your lawn on Sunday, it's a no-no. Um, it's more about peace and quiet, um, but it's also about rest, right? Um, so if you're not an Old Testament kind of person, more of a New Testament kind of person, I got one of those for you. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is Paul um, talking, and he actually quotes, he quotes the section in Exodus right before this. So if you go to Hebrews 4 and you read a few verses up, he's, he quotes that, that commandment. Um, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. He's talking about uh, the nation of Israel um, when they didn't follow God's commands. Uh, you know, it's a little more serious than being tired. What he's saying here is that God had commanded Israel to rest and to do several things. There's something like 350 some odd mitzvahs in the Old Testament. All commands, God telling him to do stuff. Um, He's saying, you know, that God punished them for not doing that. And he's saying, look, there's a punishment for you also uh, if you don't rest. Just follow that command. Like I said, we could stop here. I mean, I can, I can show you a few more in the Bible that it says just rest. Um, and so if we're going to submit, then that's, you know, that's all. But there's some really good reasons, right, for doing this. Uh, I often think about my kids because um, they're a great source of sermon material. Uh, but not only that, um, there are times that it's expedient to tell them to listen. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes I just need to tell them to do something and I just need them to do it. Like I can explain it. There's a reason. Um, I'm not just being mean. And sometimes I'll even tell them that. Look, I'll, I'll explain this to you later. We'll sit down and I'll talk to you about it. But for right now, I just need you to do this. So I feel like Paul's touched on that a little bit here. He's like, look, look, look. There's reasons for this. But God asked us to do it. So we should just do it, right? The, the one warning that I, that I want to asterisk make a footnote here. Um, when you take that approach, the it's in the Bible, just do it sort of thing, 
you tend to, to kind of start creeping up on legalism a little bit, um, and people start debating over, uh, well, what does it really mean, you know? Or what if, you know, we try and nit, because we're people, and we try and nitpick things down to where we don't actually have to pay attention to them anymore, let's be honest. Um, you you want to make sure you don't become legalistic, right, about the Sabbath. It's more, it's a personal thing, right? Um, I found some real interesting discussions, some first and second century rabbis uh, were having, this isn't a joke, by the way, it's not like, two rabbis walk into a, yeah, no, um, but it was an actual debate uh, among rabbis and teachers about what constituted work on the Sabbath. And one of the debates, and I kid you not, was actually, if a man has a prosthetic leg, and he's asleep in bed, and his house catches fire, and he doesn't have time to put on the prosthetic leg, and he picks it up, and he hops out of his house, does that constitute work? Okay. It's not just them. It's not like a, it's not just like a first, second century thing. If you look at, at American history, uh, the Puritans had a, a real big effect on how we do Christianity in this country. And that, the, the rabbi debate, debate was kind of funny. The Puritans used to pe- put people to death for not celebrating the Sabbath. So you want to talk about people that took it real serious. Um, serious if they, you know, they, okay. So technically it would be like witchcraft. Like you would be, like that's what you were being stoned for is witchcraft. But it was basically like doing work on Sunday. So you didn't, you weren't celebrating the Sabbath. And so obviously you're a witch if you're doing something on the Sabbath. Um, This is the the lesson here. Rest, in general, is not about what we do or what we don't do. Okay? Let me repeat that. It's not about the actions, right? It's not about what we do or what we don't do, right? It's about what constitutes work to us. My wife's aunt, my aunt, um, is in town, and I was telling her about this, and she said that she had visited some friends in Israel, um, and it was the Sabbath, and uh, my aunt loves to garden. Like, there is nothing that rejuvenates her soul like being in a garden. Um, it is not work to her, um, and uh, she said she was walking in this family's garden, and there were some weeds and so she just sat down, and like I said, super therapeutic for her. She just started pulling weeds. It's just kind of what she does. And the, the grandfather in the family came out and freaked out. I lost it because she was working on the Sabbath. And she tried to explain to him, like, this isn't, this isn't work. Like, this is, this is really meditative. I, I love this. I enjoy this. But see, that's the, that's the mindset we get, right? If we get too legalistic about, well, the Bible says we've got to rest. That was rest for her. It's not about what we do, what we don't do. It's more about what constitutes that rest for us. So we observe the Sabbath, if for no other reason than because God said to. Um, the other reason, and this is kind of the why, uh, God does it, so we should do it too. Um, 
God doesn't. So we see both God the Father and Jesus uh, resting. Um, this has always confused me. Genesis 2, verse 1 through 3. three. <clears throat> Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he, was, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Has anybody ever wondered why God needs to rest? Like, that was one of the things I read, and I was like, it's not like he's tired, you know? Like, I mean, he's God. Like, he's a creator of the universe. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get run down. He doesn't run out of energy. So, two things. One, the word rest, it's a rough translation. It basically means he ceased to work. Um, so it's not that God was tired. He just quit working. Because uh, he was done. Um, the other thing is, is that he was establishing an order for things. So think back to the Garden of Eden. Um, well, I mean, you can't think back to the Garden of Eden. None of us were there for that. Um, but imagine, if you will, the Garden of Eden. Um, God's establishing a perfect world, right? Uh, animals, plants, all in sync. Uh, humanity in sync with all of nature. Humanity in sync with God, right? We walk with God, we talk with God. He's, a, he's establishing his order for the world. So when he rests on the seventh day, it's part of the order, Part of that order he's establishing. He's saying work. I mean, can you imagine how much work it was to create all of existence? So for six days, he's working as hard as he can, and on the seventh day, he rests. And he's like, look, if I can do that in six days and take a day off, y'all can take a day off, right? So he's establishing that order that rest is intentional, right? Rest is something that, that we should be doing. It's necessary, and it's important. Jesus also rested. As a matter of fact, if you research it, Jesus rests a lot. He's my kind of guy. These are just a few selections from Mark, um, one of the Gospels. Uh, if you look in the rest of them, especially the more narrative ones, there's a lot more mentions of, of Jesus resting. Mark one thirty-five. Jesus spends all day healing people and casting out demons. He's in a human body, right? There's only so much of that a human body can take. So he goes and he rests. Mark 6, 31 through 32. Uh, his cousin, John the Baptist, um, is beheaded. He finds out about it, and he instructs his disciples to go and pray and to rest. And so they try and get away, but they end up being followed by 5,000 people. Um, of course, that's the feeding of the 5,000, so he goes and he feeds them. But the important part of that is that Jesus was actually going to rest. Like that was his, he was, that's what he was attempting to do. Of course, he got interrupted. Who doesn't get interrupted when they're trying to rest? 
Uh, said the guy with four kids. Try and take a nap in that house. Um, no, he, he gets interrupted. He was going to mourn, right? He was going to go mourn his cousin's death. He was tired, and he was worn down. When something bad like that happens in our life, don't you just want to just stop? Just rest? Mark 4, 35 through 40, there's a long, long day of teaching, right? Jesus is talking to a bunch of people. Um, and he finally tells the disciples, he's like, let's get on the boat, let's go. Let's get away from everybody. He said, okay. So Jesus falls asleep on a cushion in the boat, um, on the stern. Does anybody, we have any sailors? Which one's the stern? Is that the front or the back? Is it the front? Okay. It's not important to the story, I was just curious. Um, so he falls asleep in the stern, on a cushion, and this huge storm comes up, and the disciples, like, freak out, because Jesus is still asleep. And they finally wake him up, and they're like, hey, the storm's coming, it's going to kill us all. And then you know the story. Jesus stands up, and he says, be calm, be still. And the weather just settles down, right? Well, of course, they freak out, because this dude's, like, controlling the weather. You know, the, you get this feeling that the disciples kind of had an inkling of who Jesus was, but he just continues to surprise them, you know? This is one of those instances where he's just like, in my head, he kind of like groggily gets up, and he's like, settle down, settle down. And the storm goes down, and he doesn't say this, but in my head, he goes back and just lays down again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just think that would be, that's the greatest scene ever, where Jesus is like, all right, calm down, calm down. Okay, we'll see you guys later. Goes the lays back down. <clears throat> They ask him, why, why are you afraid? You're with me, right? I, I got this. This is all calm. I control the weather. I control everything. You almost get the feeling he's upset that they woke him up in the first place. <laughs> so Jesus was, he was part human. Uh, we could get into, if you want to talk about the theological how much human, how much God. We can talk about that, but, uh, but he was part human. You get tired. People, people just get tired. Uh, I think the, the best illustration I found of this was in a book um, called Springs in the Valley. Uh, it was by a woman named Letty Cowman. Um, and in this book, she tells a story uh, about a, a group of expeditioners that go into the jungle and they hire a group of tribesmen uh, to kind of serve as uh, like Sherpas, like to carry all their stuff. Um, so they start out in the village, get all the payment in order, get all their gear packed up, and they start out the first day. And they tear it up, right? Tribesmen are just, I mean, 10 steps ahead, like, even if you're, they're not carrying anything, it's hard to keep up with these guys. I mean, they're just blazing a trail, right? Um, absolutely tear it up. So they, nightfall comes, they make camp, kind of break. Wake up the next morning, and the guy that's leading the expedition comes to the guy that's kind of the head of the, the tribesmen that are there, and he was like, all right, guys, pack up and let's head out, you know? Uh, and all the tribesmen are sitting around, 
and he says, we're going to rest today. And he was like, man, I can't, like, I mean, they were obviously in such good shape. They were just, I mean, almost running through the jungle, right? Uh, you're, you're resting. What's the deal? Um, you know, maybe somebody got hurt, he's thinking. And it, the tribesman looks at him and he says this. He said, we worked real hard yesterday. We're going to rest and let our souls catch up. So obviously they, there was more of a pagan set of beliefs, right? That their, that their soul was somehow disembodied and separate from them. And that they, they truly believed that they had walked so fast the previous day that they were literally going to wait a day and wait for their souls to catch up to them. But I think the illustration serves its purpose, right? Sometimes we just need to let our souls catch up with us. We're constantly moving, you know? We got kids in activities. We got grandkids in activities. We got work. We have church. We have all this stuff. And we try real, real hard to rest. But sometimes, sometimes you just need a minute, right, to let your soul catch up. There's a quote in the book. And Letty Kalman says, This whirling, rushing life which so many of us live does for us what the first march did for those poor jungle tribesmen. The difference? They knew what they needed to restore life's balance. Too often, we do not. Wow. Right? I'm going to say something that's kind of a hard truth. None of our work, none of our deeds are necessary to keep the world turning. Put simply and kind of mean, you're not that important. I'm not that important. None of us are that important. Now hear me, okay, let me, let me say this. It doesn't mean you're not wanted. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, right? But in the grand scheme of God's creation, he doesn't need us to keep it going. Okay? God doesn't need us to keep the world turning. He includes us in on that, right? He asks us, to help people around us. He asks us to love the people around us. He asks us to care for our kids. He asks us to work. Do your work. Work as if you work for the Lord. But he doesn't need us to do it. And that's a great, great feeling if you think about it. It just means that God's in control. And the important part of this is that you don't have to be. Let everyone take a deep breath. Let it out. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to be. Let it sink in. It takes a few seconds sometimes. God's in control. You don't have to be. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's even saying there, look at me. Learn from me. Don't, don't take it all on yourself. You know, if you're burdened, if you feel like God is giving you so much that you can't handle it, even with his help, that's not him. Right? Sometimes the things we have to do in life are hard, but God helps us with that. God wants you to find rest in him. Now look, I know some of you are saying, but I can't do that. That's fine. I know that, right? Because I know I can't do that. I I can't take 24 hours. I don't feel like I can, at least. I'm bad at it. I try. Um, God knows that, too. Uh, Surprise, surprise. He knows a lot of stuff. You guys would be totally surprised how much he knows. Um, But that's why rest is a discipline. Okay? That's why, like, prayer or, like, meditation, um, it's a discipline. It's something you've got to teach yourself to do. That sounds so ridiculous that you've got to teach yourself to rest and relax. But if you really take stock in your life on, on, a, on a day-to-day basis, like how many of us can truly say we spend any time at all resting? Again, not asleep, resting. You've got to teach yourself to do it. So here's the key. Here's the secret. And I'm not even going to charge you money to find out. Okay? Just do it. And it's not a commercial. But just do it. Right? That's the key to any discipline. Any habit. Do we have any runners? I'm not, I'm not even going to raise my hand as an example. Do you guys have any? Are there any runners in here? Right? Anybody that works out? Hit the gym occasionally. Um, the key to that is what, you just get up and go do it, right? You just got to pick a morning, you know? <laughs> but it's hard to do still, right? Like, you're laying in bed, especially, oh, in the wintertime is the worst. When it's so cold outside of the covers, but it's so warm inside of the covers, and it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man, that's the best and worst thing ever. Um, but, right, the key is, you just got to set your alarm, and you just got to get up, and you just got to go do it. And it doesn't have to be the best workout. You don't have to set personal records. You just got to get up in the morning, and you got to go and do it. Rest is the same way, right? Any of these things. When I was in seminary, um, people were like, you're in the Bible all the time. I was. I was studying. But I didn't have any personal time, like with God. It was all you know, dates and names. and <clears throat> So I got to the point where I was like, I need to, like, I need to do something, right, to kind of keep myself with God. So I found a website that had prayers of famous people. So like theologians, not just famous people, but theologians. And so sometimes I would sit down, <laughs> sorry, telling jokes in my head. Um, so I would sit down and, and write out some of these prayers, uh, I didn't even understand them sometimes. Like, they were just so, like, grandiose, and the wording was so great. It wasn't even my prayer. And sometimes I did, like, sometimes I would get, like, a little bit of inspiration and kind of continue. 
But sometimes all I could do was copy that prayer, right? But the discipline of sitting down every day and taking that legal pad and looking up a prayer and just writing down word for word about five or six lines kept me connected to God, right? Like I said, it's like that one workout. (laughs) (laughs) That one workout where you get up in the morning and you go and like you're on the treadmill for the warm-up for like 10 minutes and then you're like, well, that's going to be the whole workout for today. Like we're not doing anything else, right? Sometimes that's all you can do, right? But that's fine. Do that. You don't have to be the best at any of this stuff. Um, If you were able to join us on Monday, we talked about journaling uh, with Ken Love. Um, He was in town to kind of talk to us about this journaling process. Uh, David's been doing it. Um, I'm not good at it. Uh, Like David comes in and he's like, you know, I was writing, I was journaling for like an hour, and I, you know, I received, I received what I feel like is this word from God, and Sometimes he'll share it with us. You know, he shared it up here a couple of times and he received a word from God and, and uh, it always seems like so profound and so awesome and he's got like pages and pages of ink spilled. And if you look at mine, it's like, uh, I got up this morning. Uh, you know, like, it's awful. But I, I continue to do it, right? Um, who has... Who knows, like, these prayer warriors? That's what we used to call them back in the Baptist church. Uh, Bree's Grandma Ruth is like this. Um, they're the kind of people, I always feel like they're women for some reason. It's not, it's not a bad thing. I just feel like for some reason women have this, like, gift of prayer. Um, but you feel like these women have, like, like, the red Batman phone on their desk, and they can just pick it up and talk to God. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and when they pray for you, we have, we have some of them in this church. They pray for you or they pray for something and you're just like, wow, yeah. Like, there's no way God didn't hear that. Like, I mean, I heard that. That was like in my soul, you know? And I, this is an aside. They always come back to you with like insight that you didn't even ask for. Like, I'll pray for like, like, uh, Grandma Ruth, can you pray about this new job opportunity? That's it. That's all I ask. And then she'll get back on the phone with, with Bree, my wife, like two days later, and she'll be like, I just prayed that God would give you comfort and that he would protect your finances and he would protect your children. And I'm just like, that is way more than I asked you to pray about. But it, like, it's all stuff I needed, right? That's from God. That's all stuff that definitely needed to be prayed for and I definitely needed to be thinking about. You give, leave it to Grandma Ruth to know what's going on there. So sometimes we get feedback, right? The important part is that we discipline ourselves to do these things. We don't have to be the best. We don't have to all be kin love in our journals and, you know, Grandma Ruth in our prayer. We don't have to, we don't have to be the best all the time. Here's the thing about spiritual disciplines. They're just like salvation, There is nothing you can do to earn God's love. Which is a really terrible thing to hear sometimes. I would love to be able to do that. I like earning a paycheck, right? I like knowing that I go to work and I work and then they owe me money at the end. 
Salvation's not like that, right? You can't earn it. We can't earn God's love. All we can do is hope to access it, right? God is love. And I know that sounds like real churchy, but think about it. Like, he's the existence of all love and light in the universe. And all we can do is try and gain access to that pool of love. That's what those spiritual disciplines do. We're just, we're doing little things in our lives to stop us for just a second and try and, try and get with God for just a minute. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Listen, you got to stop fighting with yourselves and stop fighting with God. It's that simple. Um, think about your day. Think about your week. <sighs> Try and carve out some time. Who was, uh, who was planning on going to the lab, the Rhythms Lab, this afternoon? Okay, lab's canceled. Go home and rest. Because I know you're not doing anything from four to five because you had something else planned. If the rest of you would like to participate, from four to five, several of us will be taking an hour of rest. If you can't do it from four to five, push it back a little bit. But this is, this is not a time to catch up on reading plans, to balance your checkbook. This is not a time to empty your TiVo. Uh, I'm not saying you've got to sit down and do an in-depth three-part Bible study with your kids, right? But do something, find something that brings you rest, right? If that's visiting with a friend, if that's playing a board game with your kids, Find something that rejuvenates your spirit. Let's your spirit catch up with you just for an hour. Go home and rest. Okay? Can we can I just get a head nod? I'm not even gonna call you guys later and check up. Just be like, okay. You guys just don't want to lie in church, it's fine. Um go home and rest. In a minute, I'll be at the back. Um, I, always, I always feel like it sounds real silly. It's hard to do this rest thing. If you are having trouble in your life finding time to carve out and rest, come back and pray with me. I'll be back there for a while. Um, and just let me know. And just let me pray, pray with you. And, and you know, I, my prayer for you all is that you go home and find some rest today.